Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Oh, it is a wonderful day for a plethora of reasons. And here in just a moment, we will get to, well, the end of a 23-year-long con. But before we do that, let's say hello the man will be working through the nine to noon hours today with me, our good friend. He's an author. He's a broadcaster. He's a provocateur. He's back. The one and only Abdullah Keeps Your Boss. How are you, my friend? Oh, I've been working out uh, all week long to prepare to carry the water for the establishment oh. on the program today. So we're, I never knew a black man could be so happy. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> uh, but we start today. We go all the way back to Friday. And well, who would have thought, Abdul, that, look, if you are Mike Pence, your whole life, has led up to wanting to run for president. I mean, whether you like Mike Pence, you don't like Mike Pence, it's pretty safe to say, and I don't think it makes you a, a, a hater, to say Mike Pence has always wanted to be president of the United States. Let's put it this way. Every morning when Mike looks in the mirror for the past 20-something odd years, he saw himself as president of the United States. Absolutely. And there was a time in a different world, in a different Republican Party, where I think a lot of people saw Mike Pence as a guy who could someday be a presidential nominee. Yes. Uh, nominee, yes. President, uh, sort of kind of maybe, not sure. Uh, Mike was always good on the on the sort of the retail handshaking politics, on, on the big flowery speeches, policy, uh, give or take. Is it also safe to say, though, and we're going to get to this audio with Tucker Carlson, because whether you like Mike Pence or you don't, that's it. It's over. The bell has tolled, and we'll play the audio here in just a second. But is it safe to say that Mike Pence has not adapted into an ever-changing Republican Party? And this is weird to say because he was the vice president under the guy, but especially in the world of Trump, Mike Pence lives in a different world of what the base of the Republican Party was. I would say, and I'm going to use this analogy a couple of times uh, on the program today. I don't know if you ever saw the movie, I think it was called Man on a Wire, where the guy's walking between the World Trade Towers <laughs> with the big balancing beam on the, on the tightrope. Yeah, sure. And to me, uh, like I said, I'm going to use this reference a couple of times today, folks, so just kind of keep that in mind. For Mike Pence, the first trade, the, the one trade tower is sort of the way Republican politics used to be. The second trade tower is how Republican politics is now. Yeah. And so it's a very fine line, a very balancing line. And I don't think Mike has completely read the the, the, the Republican primary electorate. Yeah. And that's the that's primary electorate, uh, particularly in this sort of hyper-partisan atmosphere we live in today. And a big part of that is there was a time where, look, I don't even want to use the term robust national defense because a lot of the things the Republicans did under Bush were stupid. I mean, the war in Iraq was stupid. The way they went about Afghanistan was stupid. And to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that's different than a robust national defense. Stupid foreign policy decisions and stupid foreign military engagement is different than robust mil uh, robust military defense. For me, as an as an as an army brat, uh, it's one thing to have like sort of one quote unquote enemy enemy. The, you know, the Russians. They have sure. sort of your proxy fights, you know, here and there. It's another thing to become literally. 
not only the world police dis- police force, but also the police dispatcher and also uh, the police academy for that matter. So, you know, whether fighting wars in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in Afghanistan or Iraq, like, okay, so what's the, Camille is, okay, once we get into this thing, what is going to be the exit strategy? Yeah, and, and his, the world that he became a star in, the early 2000s Republican Party, your patriotism, your standing in the Republican Party, your ability to be seen as a viable candidate or a viable future leader was centered around your abil- your willingness to engage, not smartly engage. Because remember, I mean, anybody who objected to the Iraq war basically got the early version of canceled. Remember whether it was the Dixie Chicks. Now, they're horrific, awful people. But the reality is of the million stupid things that they've said, the idea that maybe the Iraq war wasn't the best thing to be involved in was number 10 million on the list. Yet the Republican Party, and maybe even more than the Republican Party, the country in general, if you didn't agree with using force and foreign intervention then you were just some big coward. And, so, and the thing is, and I, and I understand uh, the motivation behind it. I mean, we're still, you know, 9-11 was still sort of fresh in everybody's mind. People are mad, ticked off, upset, and then they wanted something done. But as I tell the lovely Mrs. Shabazz, you cannot make decisions when you're mad. Because when you make decisions when you're mad and upset, it's going to be a, probably a bad decision in the long run. It may make you feel good right now. But in the end, it's going to be a bad idea. And and the reason I bring all this up, because obviously we're going to play this audio here in just a second. Mike Pence has never moved off the idea that robust intervention in in military conflicts is still the way that the Republican Party operates. And in the case of Ukraine... It is absolutely not the way the base of the party is operating. Now, are there many Republicans who still favor intervention in Ukraine in terms of, I guess, an unlimited checkbook? Yes, absolutely. Mitch McConnell, Todd Young, those people, that wing of the party. Well, that's what that's what we kind of did. And in in sort of I wanna, that's what we, we sort of did things in what I call, quote, quote, Afghanistan one. Yeah. Which was fund the rebels from the Charlie Wilson's war, by the way, because it's an awesome movie that everybody should go. Go, but it never go works. Red. Go red. It now, never works. No, no, because in Afghanistan, one, I would say it, it worked in the first part, which was drive out the Russians. But number two, like I said, once again, though, what are we going to do when this Thank is you. over? And so it leads us to... Apart from, you know, sell or buy oil from the Saudi Arabians so the Saudi Arabians can fund bin Laden so bin Laden can blow up our towers. This is my point. It's all, it always ends up blowing up in our face because we get in bed with people who don't have a history of liking us. It's not Britain. It's not France. It's not... Reluctant. It's my sister's dating life. There, yeah, thank you. It's called, yes. it's called mix up with the guys who are the worst buttholes in the world and then they break her heart and get mad and do mistreat her then me and my brothers we got to go article 5 nato and go kick the guy's ass and there are a huge group of people i'm one of them and i think it makes up the majority of the base certainly of republican primary voters who look at all the money we've thrown at ukraine and they say look i want to see an roi I want to see where this money's going. What I do know it went to was to the FTX guy who, I'm not going to use the term money launder, but took a bunch of the tax money that we sent over, and then they gave it to him, and that money ended up in the pockets of Democrat politicians. I think that there's, there are so many people who look at what's going on in Ukraine, and you say, look, I want to know where the money's going. I want to know 
what I'm getting for my printed money investment. I want to know when we are successful and when we are out of here. And Mike Pence is not from that school of people who believe that the American people apparently deserve a return on investment. Like I said, uh, someone in the in the in Camp Pence uh, has done a major misreading or misinterpretation of the of the of the Republican primary election. Not the, not the general election. The general election vote is a totally different creature. But I think someone has misread the Republican primary electorate. Okay, so here it is. Twenty three years, Mike Pence since being elected to the U.S. House of Representatives. Here it is, all going up in smoke with Tucker Carlson in one minute. Along the way, the Biden administration has been slow in providing military support. Make no mistake about this. We promised them 33 Abrams tanks in January. I heard again two weeks ago in Ukraine, they still don't have them. We've been telling them we'll train their F-16 pilots, but now they're saying maybe January we'll let somebody transfer some jets. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President, have you, I know you're running for president. You are are distressed that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse over the past three years. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. And yet, your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. I'm running for president of the United States because I think this country's in a lot of trouble. That was the for a guy. I would have I would have not used the term. It's not my concern for a guy, and you know this because you've covered him for years and years and years. For a guy whose whole life, even to a point of disgustingly obnoxious, has been unwavering messaging. Like if you need a message delivered, Mike Pence has always been the guy because he will not get off the message. For that guy to make that mistake in that room, unbelievable. For him to say it's not my concern was a was a I don't think his campaign's over over because in politics a day is a lifetime anything can happen between now and uh, the primary so that's so that's kind of want to make establish that number one but number two though I would said I would just said look Tucker you know we can't walk and chew gum at the same time you know we can you know help our friends and allies you know fight aggression but we also take care of our issues here we just need the right type of leadership right type of motivator that's how you answer that you don't you don't say it's not my concern because all people are going to pull out of that what that that 50 second you know 50 second clip yeah uh tucker (laughs) afterwards he was at i believe this was turning point usa there was a big event down there in palm beach uh he took a little bit of a victory lap over uh bringing about what many people believe is the end of the pence campaign no 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 but if i could make some general observations which i think are more edifying than just like savaging mike pence um I, I think, <laughs> which I'm not going to do, because that would be wrong, and it would be wrong because it's too easy. And the easy things are not rewarding, are they? You don't feel good when you beat your five-year-old in soccer or ping pong. Like, what? That's a nice backhanded compliment. Well, <laughs> look, here's my only disappointment. It would be a shame if something were to happen to this really nice establishment you just got here. I Look, here's my only thing that I'm a little upset about, Abdul. Um, 
you know, I have many stories from my time in and around Pence and the Pence administration, and I was banking on having until at least January to be able to tell all the stories. I mean, we haven't even gotten scratched the surface on him appointing the three state auditors in less than six months. And boy, I was going to crescendo all the way up to that one at the end. And now I'm very worried that he may not even make it to the debate stage. He may not even make it to January. He may not even make it to November. And I might not even be able to tell my all my stories and people are going to want to hear them. <laughs> I can still write a memoir. <laughs> That ship has sailed. <laughs> All right, it's uh, Kendall Casey Show. I'm Rob Abdul's here. When we come back, Penn's not the only guy with a rough day yesterday. Tim Scott got it from Tucker Carlson as well. We'll talk about it, plus a great take on uh, from Joe Rogan on what's going on with the money being sent to Ukraine. It's the Kendall and Casey Show. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. So Mike Pence wasn't the only guy who this had. This is Jake Gale's uh, band, Angel in a Centerfold. Yes, it is. That oh my is gosh, this is like is. high school. Well, Sophomore for some year. of us, not me. You. <laughs> you weren't born yet. Yes, that's correct. Uh, Mike Pence, not the only guy who had a tough time with Tucker Carlson uh, on Friday, ninety-three WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Kevin's here. Abdul is in for uh, Casey. Tim Scott, and look, we've talked about this numerous times on this show. I kind of feel like if there was going to be a guy other than DeSantis or Trump, because right now it certainly seems like a two-person race with one guy way ahead, if there was going to be a third person who was going to enter at some point and have a moment where you go, oh my gosh, this guy might actually be a contender, I kind of feel like it would be Tim Scott because he appeals to a lot of the same people Mike Pence might policy-wise, but without all the baggage of a Mike Pence. Pence. Well, it's interesting because uh, just from a fundraising uh, perspective, I was looking at some numbers uh, over the weekend. Tim Scott raised about six point one million dollars. That's uh, way more than Pence. Yeah, more. Uh, yeah, more than Pence during the second quarter of the year, and more than four, more than fifty three thousand unique donors. Now, part of the reason why that's important is because you got to got to raise a certain amount of money, have a certain amount of unique donors in order to qualify for the first debates uh, coming up in a couple. A week some change, and he had uh, twenty-one million bucks in cash on hand, and that's now granted six, only six million that can only be used during the primary campaign. But still, if you sort of use fundraising as a as one barometer, it's not it's not the ultimate barometer, but one barometer. Tim Scott, I'd, I'd rather be Tim Scott than Mike Pence right now. Okay, so I bring all this up because Tim Scott and Mike Pence seem to be making the same mistake, and it's interesting that they are making the same mistake because of the viable people running like Aza Hutchinson not viable Chris Christie not viable but of the viable people running they seem to be the most 
institutional people. And by that, I mean people who are, Tim Scott, obviously in the U.S. Senate. Mike Pence was a member of the House of Representatives, then was a governor. They sort of believe in the way of doing business. You're friends with all of these sort of people. You know what I'm talking about. Well, uh, I hurt my back this weekend from working out to carry the water from the establishment (laughs) on the program today. You get what I'm saying, right? I mean, there's there's a group of people who just believe in the way the system works and those two seem to be the most connected people to that system Mike Pence and Tim Scott I would say Mike Pence and Tim Scott are the more ideal more more ideologically traditional yes. type Republicans okay now let's play this back and forth between Tucker and Tim Scott because they made the same mistake Pence and and and, and Scott made the same mistake is this it seems like unwavering opposition or to Russia and by that, I guess you mean an unwavering support of Ukraine, because they kind of go hand in hand. And then everything else just kind of works around that. And here they're talking about the uh, unwavering support that Tim Scott and other Republicans have for Ukraine, but yet they support Mexico, who may be more dangerous than Russia. Take a listen. Here's, I'm just interested because all measures are relative. So Russia's bad, Russia's a threat, Putin's evil, got it. But the total body count from Russia in the United States is right around zero. Like, I don't know anyone who's been killed by Russia. I know people personally who've been killed by Mexico. The government of Mexico allows fentanyl to be made in its country and to come over our border. Yes. And remittances from Mexico are a huge part of their economy. The Mexican government is party to the murder of hundreds of thousands of Americans. So why is Mexico less of a threat than Russia? Well, two things. I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Okay, but yeah, and fr- I mean, frankly, here's, here's no Americans killed by Russia, yep. hundreds of thousands killed by Mexico, but Mexico's our ally and Russia's our enemy. How does that work? Well, I'm not going to pretend like I the legislation I have sponsored and I would sign as President of the United States freezes the assets of the Mexican cartels, targets the Mexican cartels, and hopefully eliminates the flow of fentanyl. Because I do agree with you that 70,000 Americans losing their lives on an annual basis is an existential threat to America that we can solve. We don't have to choose the good news is Would you be willing that. to say to the Mexican government, your economy runs on factories right over the border, car plants, for example, but many other manufacturing uh, plants, and we're just going to stop tariffs on that and tank your economy, like tomorrow, unless you stop allowing poison to come into our country. Like, why not do that? So he didn't have an answer the same way Pence didn't have an answer, but he avoided the viral moment because he didn't say that's not my problem. But I think Tucker raises a good point, and these guys don't have an answer. Well, see, the thing is, our relationship with Mexico is a whole lot different than our relationship with with with, with Moscow. That's kind of point number one. Uh, point number two, this you know this get out of the Ukraine. Like, well, technically, we're not in the Ukraine. We're sort of helping fund their their uh, efforts in, against Russia with their war thing. With, with, I'd say with, if you've with, given hundreds of billions to somebody, you're in, right? Like you're in. You may not physically have people fighting in, but you're in if you've given two hundred billion dollars to somebody. Yes and no. <laughs> How, how's that for a nice loyalty? How answer? attorney? Yeah, you? Well, thank you. You're much too kind. Explain. Um, my, but with, with Mexico, on the other hand, and and our in our drug related issue, you see, here here's my thing with Mexico. Yes, Mexico is a supplier, but there's another half of that equation, which is also demand. And until you take care of the demand, you know, for quote-unquote illegal drugs or whatever, you're never going to get rid of the supply. As long as there's a demand, there will always be uh, a supply coming in one way, one way or the other. 
So, but that that's always been my, my, my thing with Mexico. All right, real quick, before we go to break, because I know we got the very fabulous Kurt Darling ready to do the news. And boy, he is geared up. He's been drinking coffee. He's been lifting weights. He is so excited about this newscast. Shooting Red Bull in his arm. I want to skip down to number five, Kev, because I thought Joe Rogan, and look, Joe Rogan is like Russell Brand to me. I have no idea why he's a thing. I've never thought he's the greatest thing ever, but many people believe. Tens of millions of people listen to the guy, so we'll play in that, we'll play in that pool. His roast of how much money we waste on foreign conflicts while not fixing problems at home is pretty darn good. Go. Look, if they can dump billions of dollars into Ukraine... name if they could dump billions of dollars into i mean there's so many different things that they they pump money into but they've never pumped any money into baltimore they never pumped any money into detroit like try to figure out a way like if you can like think about like what halliburton did during the iraq war they got these no bid contracts where cheney was the and CEO of Halliburton. He becomes the vice president of the United States, and then the company he works for gets these no-bid contracts to rebuild shit we blow up, which is wild, but there's profit in that, right? So, what about figuring out a way to funnel that profit into fixing inner cities? If we have less losers, we have a better America. And if you give people more opportunity, you have less losers. I think he's got a good point. Now, I think we have dumped a lot of money into those cities, and I think they've blown it and not used it right, but there are a million different areas where we need to fix here at home, and it's a hard sell to say, here's $200 billion for a group of people who 10 years ago didn't like us. Well, here's the thing on foreign aid, because I have this argument all the time with people. Like, we should do, we spend money on your American investment, blah, blah, blah. In 2020, we spent $51 billion in foreign aid. That's 1% of the federal budget. And there were an 11 billion, 11, 12 billion of that was military assistance. So 1% of your federal budget goes overseas. The other 99% stays right here. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Micah Beckwith is going to join us. He's got a big speech tomorrow, so he's going to join us on Monday. We'll talk about Pence. We'll talk about Curtis Hill getting in the race. All sorts of things coming up next. Kendall and Casey Show. Abdul and for Casey on 93 WIBC. Amen. Amen. It's time to go to church. To preach to the choir from the bully pulpit, Pastor Micah Beckwith. Oh, yeah, let's head right to the drivehubler.com hotline, joined by the conservative voice of the state of Indiana, Pastor Micah Beckwith. All right, Beckwith, we're having you on on a Monday today because you've got a big speaking gig tomorrow, Tuesday, in my neck of the woods in front of the Hendricks County GOP. Now, I was told, now, nobody told me formally, but I was told, I guess, years later, off the record, that I'm no longer welcome at the meeting, so I'm glad you're welcome. Well, I was going to ask you today on the air if you wanted to go with me, but I guess that shot that one down pretty quick there. So somebody, somebody uh, told me the other like this was like <laughs> earlier this spring. They're like, "Yeah, it's too bad about your ban." I was like, "What ban?" <laughs> oh man, the word "ban" is going around very flippantly these days. I mean, it's like uh, libraries are banning books when all we're doing is moving them from one section to the other. And Rob Kendall's banned from the GOP when Dan Elliott said you're not. So there you go. I just don't understand why they hate me so much. I mean, all I do is try to say, here's your party platform. You're not doing the party platform. We're all very disappointed in you. And I have the ratings, Micah, to back up that the people are with me. Well, you know what? When I'm on the campaign trail, I, I'm looking forward to going over to Hendricks County. It's going to be good. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of really solid people in the Republican Party around the state of Indiana. We just have a few bad apples that have been in leadership 
that really, to your point, Rob, have not held the, the GOP party principles to the standard that they needed to be held to. So, so when you call them out or when I call them out, they get mad, which is, I, I understand why they're mad. They don't like to be called out, but, but you and I, and people like you and I, I'm talking to them all over the state on this Lieutenant governor campaign trail. They are so thankful for voices like ours who are saying we're speaking truth to power. We're holding their feet to the fire. We're not letting them uh, just run, run away from Republican principles, principles like limited government, low taxes. I mean, that's a big one right there. Uh, making sure that parents rights are protected within the public school uh, system, uh, making sure that we're not uh, we're not forgetting about uh, public safety, or making sure we're pro- we're protecting our our you know constitutional rights. You know, novel concepts, right? It shouldn't be that hard for us to figure out, but yet we have Republicans who do not do these things, and so we call them out, and we should. I tell people this all the time. I want to like the Republicans. I really want to come on here and cheerlead for good things the Republicans in the state and across the country are doing. There's just so little of it. Well, and I, I mean, yeah, I think that's. I, I get what you're saying. I mean, there, there's a lot of really good bright spots I see. As I'm traveling the state, I was down in Dearborn County um, on Saturday, and then I came up to Zionsville. And, you know, kind of two polar opposite communities. And, uh, and we were talking with Republicans at both places. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of salt of the earth, make America great again people who are just as mad as you and I are. And they're saying, hey, we're behind you. Get in this battle. We're standing with you. We need to take back. Listen, they're, they're saying we need to take back not America. We need to take back the Republican Party so that we can then go and take back America. So that's their concept. That's their mindset. And I think it's good. It's, you got to fix your own house before you can start fixing in the nation. So that's what we're doing here, you know, in the Republican Party in Indiana. Uh, Michael Beck with our guest. I saw a photo of you and boy, you want to talk about a rose in between two thorns. It was uh, you in the middle and on one side was Curtis Hill and on the other side was Eric Doden. Everybody just wants to be your friend now. <laughs> well, well, here's here's what I've said all along. I, I out of everyone running for governor, I, I really truly consider them all friends. Whether it's Eric Doden, Curtis Hill, Suzanne Crouch, uh, Mike Braun, or and, and Jamie Rittenauer, I know them all personally. Like, and to be honest with you, we have an outstanding pick of candidates this time around. And and really, I think they all bring certain strengths. They all have their weaknesses. That's why I'm running for lieutenant governor, because I feel like I would make a good teammate with each one of them to help kind of shore up some of their their weaknesses. But to be honest with you, I'm really excited. And and we're all friends. This is, you know, the Republican primaries. We have to remember this in the Republican Party. We're not enemies. We we sometimes turn turn on each other because we think we're enemies. We're not. We're just picking the starting lineup to go out for the big game, which is in November, against the opposition, which is the Democrat Party. And I'm telling you right now, if you if if we can't unify around the Democrat or around the Republican platform to go up against the, the Democrats, I mean, the Democrats are so they're turning into the anti-American Marxist uh, uh, organization that wants to just fundamentally destroy everything that's great about our nation. And we as Republicans can't be too busy fighting ourselves and considering each other enemies. We just have to recognize primaries are picking the starting lineup. We, we got a big game coming up in November. We have to win that for the sake of our children and children's children. So I, you know, I, when I get to these events, I, I mean, I really, really, and I mean this, I really like, even the candidates that might disagree with me, I really consider them as consider them friends, and and uh, I like what they're doing. So, okay, we did a, a segment on Friday. In fact, we led the show with it. Capital Chronicle had a big expose on how these uh, these 
and I, I'm with the pastor, so I'm gonna. I'm not gonna use the word scumbag, Micah. I'm gonna say <laughs> these. These are steep. How about how about this? How about how about you den of vipers? That's what Jesus said. <laughs> you, so, uh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> these den of vipers uh, deliberately plowed through 3.1 billion dollars in reserves last year on one-time expend- expenditures and changed the state law to ensure people would not get a single solitary dime in refunds back. And I I read that and I go, is there really that much difference between the Republicans and Democrats when you have people deliberately ensuring people don't get their money back? So let me let me say it this way. It's it's uh, we live and die on leadership. So, again, we don't have uh, a good leader uh, uh, to carry the Republican banner in Indiana. Uh, I was in both places, Dearborn and, and Boone County on Saturday. And that's the thing I would ask different people I was talking to. Who's the leader we can reunite around right now within the Republican Party? Not one single person was able to give me an answer. I said, hey, who is our leader? Now, if I went to Florida and I asked anyone at the Republican Party's you know, GOP functions down there, who is the leader you guys are rallying behind? Every single person, I promise you, would say Ron DeSantis. Right. Ron DeSantis. In Indiana, I asked those the same question. I said, who are we rallying behind to uphold Republican principles, principles that would absolutely reject what you just laid out there that would say, hey, we're not going to take the money for the government. We're going to give it back to the people. Who's the leader that's, that's out there saying this is right and this is wrong. Let's go down this path. No one in Indiana can give me an answer. That's a big problem. We need leadership. And so I think it's, I think to your point, the Indiana Chronicle Capital uh, article is highlighting something that, that is so real right now is we don't have strong, bold Republican leadership. And that's one of the reasons I'm, I'm running for Lieutenant governor and making sure that, you know, we, I can give, I can give people someone to rally behind. Now I think we've got some great governor candidates that, that we'll be able to rally behind, but I also, I I think we got to have strong leadership everywhere. Uh, Micah Beck with our guest, Okay, so Micah, it is very unusual to see a 23-year con blow up in a matter of two minutes, but that happened on Friday when Mike Pence sat down with Tucker Carlson. Uh, we led the show with it today. He's donezo, right? Well, I mean, listen, I I like the fact that Mike Pence has always worn his faith on his sleeve. So there's a lot about Mike that I respect, but I I said after after the whole um, election debacle that we saw in 2020. Mike Pence was put in place by the founders to be a check and balance, to be the last line of defense before certification happened. Pennsylvania, we all know this, Pennsylvania broke their constitution to be able to do what they did. They cheated in the election of 2020. Mike Pence, as the the vice president, absolutely had the constitutional authority to stop, to put a hold on certifying the election and say to Pennsylvania and states like Pennsylvania, you broke your constitution. I know you want to say it was unprecedented times, but the Constitution was put in place specifically for those unprecedented times that our liberties would not be trampled by the government in those unprecedented times. Mike Pence should have said to Pennsylvania, hey, fix it and then come back and we'll certify the election. He didn't do that. He should have done that. And he has just been living. He's dying on this hill every single time. He's saying, no, I did what was right. I did what was right. And it's made an enemy out of Trump. And Trump, you know, Trump's right in this. He said, he, he's making the point. You guys all broke your, your state constitutions around the state or around the nation. And, and Mike Pence should have been the guy, the last final wall of defense to say, hey, fix it and then come back and we'll sort of, we'll certify it. But, but Mike has been dying on that Hill. And, and again, I, I highly respect the man because he's really been a champion of faith and family for many years, but 
I don't think he ever had a chance. And I, I don't know who's around him. I heard Tony Katz on uh, last week. He was saying the same thing. And it was, it was one of those moments where he was just saying, do the people around Mike Pence, are they telling him he has a chance or does Mike really think he has a chance or is he just doing this to kind of keep his name out there? I don't, I don't know the answer to that, but to your point, Rob, that Tucker Carlson interview really, I, I think was not, was not helpful in Mike's chances, but, but then again, Hey, I, I'm a competition guy, and you know everyone and their brother can run for president. Oh, oh, oh no, I, I, I desperately want him to keep going, Micah. I want him to keep going. Please, he's got to at least try to get on that first debate stage. I mean, that's that's uh, he must keep going. No, no, don't no. Let's no mistakes here, Mike. Please keep going. Well, and I think too one one of the things last summer that I that really stuck out to me and. And, I, and please hear me. I'm not trying to throw Mike Pence under the bus. By no, any go means, ahead. But, You're but, totally on the right no. show, Mike. Go ahead. You'll be fine. No, no. I, I, I promise I wanna, you'll get, you'll get, give you'll, honor. You'll, you'll get zero pushback. <laughs> Keep going. I want to give honor to where honors do, but I also want to call people out and hold them accountable. And last summer when we were fighting the abortion ban, I was down at the state house. And it was a hot, hot battle. I mean, you like it was. We were the first state in the nation to ban abortion after Roe was overturned, and 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 you know who showed up to uh, defend their side? It was not the former vice president who lives just a few miles away from the state capitol. It was the current vice president who flew in from D.C., Kamala Harris, to champion abortion. And I thought to myself, "Where's Mike? Why is he not here?" And I've never, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if he was out of, out of town. I don't think he was. I heard from people because I asked legislatures, I was like, legislators, I said, is Mike coming? Like, is he going to be here to, to stand with you guys? And, and they were saying, we don't, we haven't heard. We don't know. Like, we think he's in town, but we're not sure where he's at. And so to me, that was really a huge dropped ball. And I, I just, from that moment, I'm like, Mike, are you, are you willing to fight this outrageous, uh, wicked culture that's trying to destroy traditional values. And, and I think last summer for me, that's kind of when I said, okay, he's, he's not the fighter that we need right now. He's, he's done a lot of great things. He's I think God raised him up for just the time as, as what he, he was leading in. But I think it's, I think it's time to move on to the fighters and, and we're moving into a new season of battle. We got about a minute left here, but we got this fabulous letter we read on the air on Friday from a listener from Texas, and it was one of the greatest letters I've ever received. And a big part of that letter, and we read it on the air, was that how our segments with you led her back to the Lord last year and what a great impact that's had in her life. And sometimes even I lose track of the power of this radio show and the influence that it has. So I want to close today, and we got to try to get more of your sermons into our segments that we do here, but we got about a minute left. You gave a great sermon yesterday at Life Church, and one of the things you were talking about is how sometimes even if you don't accomplish things in your life, you're laying the foundation for others to accomplish great things. And I think many people believe, hey, maybe seasons of their life have passed them and they're not a success or they're a failure. If you could take about one minute and just explain Explain what you were talking about. I think it would just totally change people's lives today. Go. Well, I, it's humbling to hear that letter and, and to know that your voice is resonating with people. And, and it's the Lord doing it. It's not me. It's not you. It's God bringing people back unto himself because he loves people. He loves us all, and he wants us all to draw close to him. And so what that passage we were studying yesterday was Second Samuel chapter 8. And, and in Second Samuel chapter 7, David has a dream to build the temple. And the Lord tells David, David, you're not going to be the one to build the temple. But I'm going to allow your son to do that. 
And in chapter 8, we see that David is collecting gold and silver and bronze, and he's laying the foundation to build the temple. It was David's dream to build the temple of God. But God said, David, not you, but you're going to be a hero maker for your son Solomon. And if you have a dream in your heart, if you've, been, if you've had a vision that you feel hasn't come to fruition, maybe God gave you that vision and that dream so that your children and children's children could stand on your shoulders to accomplish what he's placed in your heart. Our founders did the same thing. Many of them lost their lives, their sacred honor, their, their fortunes, their families, and they never saw liberty, the dream of liberty, come to fruition. But praise God, they did what they did because now we, as the American people, get to stand on their shoulders and experience the great dream of liberty come to fruition. And so, so if that's you today, don't give up. Know that God placed the dream in your heart specifically for a reason. It may just be your children and children's children are going to carry it out, but you're doing a very important work of laying the foundation right now. I love it so much. You are the best, man. Pastor Michael Beckwith. Thank you, my friend. Hey, thanks, buddy. We'll see you. 93 WIBC. It's Kendall and Casey show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The governor's race is heating up. Do a deep dive, shall we? 93 WIBC, it's Kendall and Casey show. I'm Rob Casey's gone. Abdul in for Casey today. All right, so Curtis Hill in the race now, and we had him on the show last week. And there's finally someone with a pulse involved <laughs> in, in this thing. Now, it'll be interesting because he starts so far behind in terms of fundraising, but he starts really strong in terms of name id now obviously some of some of that is not good but in terms of who do you know curtis hill may have the best name id of anyone um i would uh, i would say uh, probably mike braun probably has the best name id since mike braun's a sitting u.s senator um but no curtis does curtis does make the, the race interesting uh now that's what like four people declared uh maybe five yeah you got five on the republican side Yeah, maybe, maybe five after today uh because i'm hearing some things about uh brad chambers the current head of the indiana economic development commission well hold, hold on to that for okay. just a second let's talk about curtis because i do want to get to that but uh, look he was on the show he didn't offer any specifics it was very broad stuff but Curtis says things about the Republicans and the Republican Party. And, you know, I like Curtis because I like agitators. And I generally default to when I vote who would Holcomb like in there the least. And that's who I go with. At least he he says some stuff that's different because right now the rest of them aren't saying anything interesting. It'll be interesting to see what sort of plans and policies Curtis develops over the course of the next uh, few weeks. Because we know about his record as uh, attorney general. Um like so, sort of challenging the governor, the 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 establishment, so to speak, and, that, and that's fine uh, for for a certain segment of the Republican primary. However, uh, you still got to have policy, you still got to have ideas, and I think uh, I think at the end of the day, though, when somebody asks him, "Who's the front runner of the governor's cycle?" First of all, it's July of 2023. The governor's race isn't until next year, so and day in politics is a lifetime, which I'm be saying that's a lot on the program today. <clears throat> so anything can and usually does happen. Now, with that said. I think Curtis getting in at the end of the day may actually Suzanne Crouch actually may be the beneficiary of all this. Now, folks, allow me to explain what what I mean. In a, in a Republican primary votes uh, here in Indiana, I've noticed for the past couple of years, the the establishment is about quote unquote 40 45 percent of the Republican electorate. They sort of have a, a floor of forty, a sort of a ceiling of forty five, which means the other fifty five percent 
Have common sense. Yes. Very or, good. Carry on. Or, or <laughs> I like Rob Kendall. <laughs> now, why is that important? Well, back in 2010, when Dan Coates ran for the U.S. Senate, Dan Coates got about 40% of the vote. Well, where'd the other 60% go? They went to all the other candidates, all the other 12 million people who were running right. at the time. Now, when Dick Luger ran for re-election in the primary, he got about, guess what? About 40% of the vote. Richard Murdoch, just one person, got 60%. So that tells me that that 40, 45% is that Republican establishment floor ceiling. Now, with that said, the more people who get in the race, I think that at the end of the day, in the, in the Republican primary, that helps Suzanne Crouch because you've got Mike Braun, you've got Eric Doden, and now you've got Curtis Hill who will divide up that that other that sort of 60% of the vote. Okay, but you reported just now on Twitter at ATTY Abdul on Twitter that there's another person considering getting in and now this person would seem to not help Suzanne Crouch because they kind of swim in the same pool. Exactly. And which this would actually would explain a lot of things. Talk about uh, Brad Chambers. Uh, Brad's currently the Secretary of Commerce, the head of the IE uh, DC. <clears throat> uh, there's been speculation that he's going to run for governor, has been sort of laying the groundwork to run for governor, get a lot of people uh, involved in the whole nine yards. And so what I heard <clears throat> this morning, actually during the break, was that there's a, apparently an all-staff meeting uh, oh, at the IEDC. Never good. And, you know, just sort of their, their quarterly all- Oh, all, that's all, the all-staff meetings all, rarely all, work out well for anyone. All, all get together. And so the word on the street is that uh, Chambers may be there. So they got so it's, it's sort of feeling the speculation he's going to announce his quote-unquote retirement. I'm using air quotes uh. here to say that he's getting ready to run for... Why does Holcomb not like Suzanne Crouch? I mean, my goodness, he has total control over the party. He won't endorse her, and now one of his buddies is going to get in. You know if he wanted her to win, he'd be like, dude, you can't get in. You're going to pull votes from her, and that's going to hurt her. Why does Holcomb refuse to support the person who has given him a gajillion dollars and has been his running mate for the past seven years? Well, like I said, if we, we don't know We don't know for sure. Like I said, this is all... Gossip urban, blatant political innuendo, which you know, well, you're getting the cheat sheet, by the way. Oh, here we go. <laughs> now, now, that, now that we're here, uh-huh. it's 50 bucks a year. Abdul, uh, Abdul Friendy, no, that's the old shit. Antipolitics.org. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit. I got the website. all freaked out. Uh, no, but no, but that is, that is sort of the speculation now. Now, once again, if he, if he does show up, that, that, that's just quite a bit. If he doesn't show up, then it's all, once again, just speculation, sure. gossip, and rumor. All right. When we come back, Abdul, by the way, Abdul's in for Casey today. When we come back, more mayhem from Tucker Carlson. We've got a uh, deep dive on what's going on with Jefferson Shreve in the mayor's race. Biden spokesperson John Kirby being ridiculous. It is a jam-packed rest of our show today. It's Kendall and Casey Show on 93 WIBC.